Well, hello everyone and welcome to this English lesson where you get to ask me questions and then I try my best to answer them. I think my track record is pretty good. A track record is how you refer to how someone has performed in the past. I think my track record for answering questions is actually pretty good. Um I usually answer most of them. Um I don't always answer every question in the list but the questions I do answer I think I do an okay job. I don't want to pat myself on the back too much but usually it goes pretty well. I do want to do just a quick audio check here because I know last week we had a few audio problems but I think everything is working really well right now. Let me go over some of the guidelines. Some of my expectations for this live English lesson. Please keep the chat in English only. I know it's tempting to use your own language in the chat but please keep it in English only so that it can be an area where people can practice their English reading and their English writing skills. If you have a question, either Todd or Dave will share a link from time to time in the chat. You can follow that link and fill in a form. Ask me a question. And then the fun starts. Uh that's when I try to answer it. I see in the chat people are saying that audio is great. I should just give it one more check here for a second. Sounds great. I do have to admit one thing. (laughs) Sorry, everything's falling off the table. I have to admit one thing though. I'm not in a very good mood today. I know I seem happy but the whole morning I was really crabby. I was kind of grouchy. I feel really happy right now because I'm always happy when I do a live stream. It's one of my favorite things to do on a Saturday but I will warn you I was a little bit grouchy this morning but I did go for a walk early this morning and I think that made me feel a little bit happier. Anyways, good to see all of you here. Let me jump over and see if there is a question ready to go. I know that there's usually questions that pour in as soon as we get started. Uh so let's see what's available and I'll get to the first question. Um let's see here. First question is from Dora. Hi, Bob. What is the difference using do to and set to? We're due to finish the new project tomorrow and Peter is set to go to LA. So, when you're due to finish something, it means you're going to finish it very soon and usually on time. If I say I'm due to finish this English lesson at 12 o'clock my time, It means I'm going to finish it at that time and that's the time I wanted to finish it on. When you're set to do something, it means you're ready to do it, okay? So, before this live lesson started, I was set to go. I was set to do the live stream. I had tested out all the equipment and I was set to do it. So, it really means that I was ready to do it. Um your uh sentences are great examples though. We're due to finish the new project tomorrow. And Peter is set to go to LA. Excellent examples of how to use both. So, again, the first one means that you're going to do something and it's going to be at a time where you plan to do it. And the second one means that you're ready. Um let's see here. Bilal has the next question. Let me get the question on the screen. Bilal says, sir, are these sentences the same? I wish they had done and I wish they would have done. So, let's give some examples of this. Let's say that Um I wish they had done the road construction last year. I wish they would have done the road construction last year. In those two examples, they mean the same. I'm expressing 
a wish. I'm expressing that I wanted something to be done at a different time. If you really like a couple of other YouTube channels where they do live English lessons, you could say, oh, I wish they had done their live lesson uh last week Wednesday instead of Tuesday. You could also say, I wish they would have done their live lesson last week Tuesday instead of Wednesday. Means the same thing. There are slight variations but generally they mean very much the same thing. Um let's get to the next question is from Shanae. Shanae says, hello, teacher Bob. What is the difference between being capable of and be able to? Thank you. So, if I am capable of doing something or if I am able to do something, they mean the same thing. It means I know how to do it. I am capable of driving a car. I am able to drive a car. I am capable of driving a tractor. I am able to drive a tractor. Both sentences mean that at some point in the past, I learned how to do that activity, okay? So, I'm capable of using a modern smartphone. I'm able to use a modern smartphone. Both simply able uh indicate that you have the knowledge that you need to do that activity. Let's get to the next question. So, Johan from Quebec. Hi, Bob. I would like you to explain the difference between partly and partially. And could you pronounce narrow, various, and varying? Thanks a lot. So, let's do the last part of the question first. If you have like a hallway can be very narrow. So, you have a narrow hallway. You can have a narrow street in a city as well. There can be various ways to do something. So, there are various ways to do live streams actually. I do mine with a computer. You can do it with a phone as well. There are various ways to do it. And to there are varying degrees um to which yeah, there's varying degrees of work that go into creating a video. So, there's your three pronunciations but let's get back to partly and partially. So, if I was to say that I was partly done a project or that I was partially done a project, it would mean the same thing. So, he is partly done mowing the lawn. He is partially done mowing the lawn. I think they're very similar. Um I tend to use partly more than partially. Although, if I was to say this cup is partially full, that would be an indication of how to use partially with a quantity but I think when we're talking about how far you are on something, you would probably use partly. So, let's let's just say this. If I say I'm partly done mowing the lawn, that sounds normal to me. If I say this glass is partially full, that sounds normal to me. Sorry, I held the glass up so much. I needed to take a sip of water. Thanks for that question, Johan. Uh or Joanne. Joanne maybe. Sorry. Um Luke has the next question. Luke says, hi, Bob. Could you use the words revoke and tabulate in a sentence? Thanks. So, if you do something illegal while driving and if you do it too many times, eventually they revoke your license. So, that means they take your driver's license away. When you revoke something, it means you take back someone's permission to do something. Um and I think that's the best example. In Ontario, Canada, if you get one speeding ticket, that's okay. If you get three or four speeding tickets, eventually they revoke your license. So, you're not allowed to drive anymore. Also, uh when you get really old, you have to take a driver's test every few years and if you don't pass, then they revoke your license. When you tabulate It simply means to start to count up numbers, okay? When I 
uh, did a survey a couple of weeks ago. People filled in a survey and then when people were done, I tabulated the results. That means I looked at all the columns of numbers in my spreadsheet and I calculated the average and those types of things. So, when you tabulate something, it means that you 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 get the results from a series of numbers. Let's see here. Um Andre has the next question. Andre says, hello, mister Bob. What's the correct question to ask a pilot? Let me read both quietly and then I'll read the one that's correct. How long have you been flying? That's the one I would use. Hey, how long have you been flying? Or how long have you been a pilot? How long have you been flying planes? How long have you been a pilot? The first question I would say, I'm gonna correct it. I would say, how many years have you been flying? How many years have you been a pilot? Okay? So, how hey, how many years have you been flying? That's the fast way. Hey, how many years have you been flying? Or, hey, how long have you been flying? That's how I would ask those two, Andre. Great, great question. Let's see. Athanasios. Hello, hello, dear teacher. I'm laughing because Athanasios is asking about my night. How was your night, sir? Could you please explain to me the differences between devote and dedicate? Thank you. So, how was my night? I think I I think I didn't sleep very well and that's why I'm grouchy and crabby today but hopefully you don't sense it. Um like I said, once I started the live stream, I was a lot more chipper. I'm a lot happier now. Um I think because everything's going well as well. Last week, the live stream didn't start so well. There was no audio and then I was kind of grouchy during the live stream too. So, um and then devote and dedicate. When you devote your life to a certain job, it means that you really like doing it and you just give all your time and energy. I have devoted most of my life to being a teacher. Um so, that basically means I decided a long time ago that I liked teaching and I spend almost every day teaching. So, I have devoted my life to it. Now, you asked about the word dedicate. It's very similar to devote in that situation. I could say I dedicated most of my life to teaching. But there is a slight difference because you can dedicate something to someone. Sometimes you'll hear at a concert, the person singing will say, I'm this next song I'm going to dedicate to my girlfriend. And it basically means they're singing that song for their girlfriend. So, dedicate has a couple of different meanings. Uh next question from Kizmo. Hi, teacher Bob. How are you? I'm good, Kizmo. Thanks for asking. Do you write in cursive or print? And is cursive still taught in school in Canada? Thanks. When I write on the board, I use print, okay? So, for those of you that don't know, when you print something, you use straight lines and circles. When you write in cursive, it's a flowing type of writing with a pen. So, there's two ways to write in English and many other languages. Um when I write on the board, I tend to print when students write in their notebooks, they tend to write in cursive. I wish I had examples here to show you but I don't. Um no, I don't have anything close by that's in print. Wait a sec. I might have something right here. This is a letter from someone. So, this is in print. So, if you see this, it doesn't want to focus on it. That is in print and I don't have an example of any cursive writing here. I should have had some but okay. When I write on the whiteboard or blackboard at school, I print. Most students tend to print or use cursive. It's their choice. We do still teach cursive writing in Canada. 
Um, I'm not sure how much longer we'll be teaching that though. We'll have to see. Okay, let's see here. Next question from Renata. Do you often say hardly ever? I think it means the same as rarely. I hardly ever say it. LOL. Thanks, Bob. Have a great day. Um, yes, we say hardly ever a lot. So, here's a few examples. Right now, I hardly ever go out. I hardly ever go anywhere because we are stuck at home. So, I hardly ever go shopping. I hardly ever go to a movie. So, yes, we do say that quite a bit and it does mean rarely if not hardly. (laughs) I was gonna say hardly ever. I can't define hardly ever by saying hardly ever Um, but it certainly means that we don't do something very often. I hardly ever phone someone. I mostly text or send emails. I hardly ever phone someone. Uh, like an actual phone call call. I hardly ever make phone calls. Sachin, I think wins the award for the shortest question ever in a live stream. Inherit means. So, when you inherit something, it means you get money from someone after they have passed away. I do wanna pause for a minute and say thanks to Xiao Xu for becoming a member of the channel. Thank you so much for clicking that join button below and for supporting my channel. That's awesome, Shao. Thank you very, very much. Anyways, when a grandparent or an old uncle or aunt dies, sometimes they have money and then their descendants will inherit that money. So, when you inherit something, it means you get it from someone else. It's usually money. You can also inherit characteristics. So, I've inherited certain characteristics from my dad and other characteristics from my mom. My mom tends to walk fast and talk fast. I think I've inherited those characteristics from my mom. My dad was a very funny person and people really liked talking to him. I think I've inherited a little bit of that uh, from my dad. So, it can mean money but it can also mean characteristics. Uh, Let's get to the next question. Sally Abid says, hi, Bob, the best. Thanks. Which is better for learning? Focus on listening, reading or writing. I listen a lot and am excellent at reading and weak in speaking. So, you really improve in the area that you practice the most. Um, I do wanna stop and say thanks to Brent from American English with this guy for the I think it's a tip or a sticker. I don't know anymore, Brent, but thank you so much for that. Uh, it's nice to do that. By the way, whenever Brent and Lolly Lolly uh, give money, I give it to Todd and Dave to thank them. So, that's nice of you guys. So, thanks for that. Um, So, here's the thing. You have to practice all four areas because if you only practice listening, you won't improve that much in speaking. You do have to practice the thing you want to get better at. What I will say about listening is this though. Listening is the one thing you can do that you can easily do almost all day with very little work. What I mean by that is this. When you're at work, you can't read a book because your boss will get mad but you can listen to the radio in English possibly. When you're driving your car, you can't have a conversation with someone unless they're there with you but you can listen to the radio in English. So, I would say do all four in equal amounts But if you want to overload on one, overload on the listening. Like do a lot of listening. It can be quite beneficial. Uh Nilar says, hello, Uncle Bob. How can I improve my writing skills? I'm gonna kind of fix your question there. How can I improve my writing skills? 
The way to improve your writing skills is to do more writing but to also find an English teacher to give you feedback on the writing. So, if you meet with someone once a week for conversation practice, see if that person would also be willing to kind of read an email from you once a week and then give you some feedback on the email. Um you can do a lot of writing yourself but when you start to get corrections from someone else, it can really really help you. So, that would be my recommendation there. Um Amanj, I'm trying to interpret this question, Amanj. Hi, Bob. Can you describe for us what's the meaning of pre-existing conditions? Oh, sorry. Yes, I totally understand. This is a medical or health question. In the world, you can buy health insurance but sometimes when you want to buy health insurance, they want to know if there's anything wrong with you. So, for instance, for me, I have health insurance through my work. If I was to quit my job and try to get insurance somewhere else, they would say, do you have any pre-existing conditions? And I would have to write on the application that I had heart surgery three years ago, okay? So, pre-existing conditions are medical things that you have had done in the past or illnesses you have had that you need to tell someone about if you apply for insurance. Uh Lolly Lolly, thanks for the super chat. Uh Bob, you are my mentor. Thanks, Lolly. I'm glad that uh I can help you uh just stay inspired to learn this crazy language. By the way, Lolly Lolly, I think there's another member called Dolly Dolly now. I think the way you created your name is spreading possibly. Uh let's see here. Ramon from Spain. Hi, Bob. So, happy to see you again. Has it ever happened to you that there are English accents you can't understand? After so many years, it's still happening to me. Yes, in fact, just on the news the other day, they were in they were interviewing a professor in California who was originally from Scotland and I had trouble understanding her accent. She had a very thick Scottish accent. That is one of the English accents that I personally have trouble understanding is the Scottish accent. So, yes, it does happen. Uh Rod, the Brazilian English teacher. Hi, Rod. Says, Mr. Bob, how are you? What's the difference between holler and yell? Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks a lot. So, holler and yell are the same things. Um sometimes I holler at my kids. It actually sounds kind of funny when I say that though because I think holler is more of a an American word that we sometimes use in English. We do use the word yell. Sometimes I yell at my kids. I'll admit it. Sometimes I'll I'll yell things like who left the milk on the counter and I'll yell it really loud and I could use the word holler as well. I could say ah sometimes I holler at my kids but again, it's a very American word in my opinion. So, thanks Rod for that question. Uh by the way, for those of you that don't know, Rod also teaches English. He has a YouTube channel as well uh and he has another interview coming out later today on his channel. You should head over there and watch it. If you search for Rod the Brazilian English teacher on YouTube, you'll find his you'll find his channel. Sorry, Rod. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the next question. So, is this supercalifragilisticexpialidocious a used word in daily chats? So, quotidien would be more of a French word. We usually say daily. So, is this supercalifragilisticexpialidocious a used word in daily chats? No. It's a word from I think Mary Poppins, a movie. 
Uh, maybe Dave or Todd could look it up. Uh, it's considered one of the longest words in the English language, but it is a made up word that is from that book or movie. But most English speakers know it. Like when I see it, I don't know if it's spelled right, but I'll say it for you one more time. It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Um, I think as kids, we all learn that word because it's funny to say that word. Hey, just a little pause here. Um, if you're new here, welcome. I'm Bob the Canadian. I teach English here on YouTube. There is a subscribe button there and it's totally free to click it. If you click it, you get notified when I put out a new lesson. I think you can even click the subscribe button and then there's a little bell you can turn on so that you get notified quicker or something. I don't know what the bell does but apparently it's important. Um so anyways, welcome to the 470 people who are watching. You're all awesome. It's cool that you are learning English. Thanks for being here. I will now return to the lesson. Hey, that wasn't true. I was actually just having a sip of water. Now, we'll get back to the lesson. Um Johnny from Brazil says, good afternoon, Mr. Bob. Are the phrasal verbs goof around and loaf around synonyms? Can I use them in the same way? Thanks. No. So, goof around is a little more active than loaf around. So, if I was to say, you know, there's some teenagers outside the grocery store and they're just goofing around. It probably means that one is sitting, one is like throwing stones at the wall and one's on their skateboard or something. So, when you goof around, you're not working or doing anything productive but you're doing something, okay? So, you're just goofing around. When you loaf around, if I said, oh, there's a few teenagers outside the grocery store just loafing around, in my mind, that would mean they're all sitting on a bench or they're all sitting on the ground doing nothing. When you loaf around, you're literally like, ah, you're just sitting there and you're doing nothing. So, no skateboarding, no, they're not even talking to each other probably. They're just kind of sitting around doing nothing. Uh let's see here. Next question is from Abdul. Thank you. Oh, hello, teacher Bob. Glad to see you. What is the difference between each and every e.g. each every day and each day? Um so, if I say every day I eat a banana, it means that as I go through my day, at some point, I eat a banana. If I say each day I eat a banana, it means the same thing. This is a really tricky one for me to explain during a live stream. You are better off searching YouTube for what is the difference between each and every. I will tell you this in informal spoken English, we often use them interchangeably. Here's a good example. In every live stream, I tell people they should click the subscribe button. I could also say in each live stream, I tell people they should click the subscribe button. You should click the subscribe button. (laughs) So, I do that each time I do a live stream. I do that every time I do a live stream. So, if there is a difference, it's probably a very strict rule in written English but in informal spoken English, um, we use them interchangeably. Like, I could say, you know, every one of my kids is a good student. I could say each one of my kids is a good student. So, whether I'm breaking the rule or not, That's how we say it in spoken English. Uh let's see here. Alan says, hi, Bob. I'm new here and in your podcast. I've been learning a lot with your class. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Alan. By the way, for those of you that don't know, um all of my live lessons and all of my short English lessons end up as podcasts as well. Um if 
I think the links below, I have to check in the description but if that's a way where you want to re-listen to something, that's great. You should do that. So, anyways, thanks, Alan, for the kind words. That's awesome of you. Um, let's see here. Next question is from Israel. Hello, teacher Bob. How are you? What does despite and in spite mean? What's the difference? Thanks for your class. So, I use these words the same way. Um, I'm gonna look it up um because in spite of the fact that I don't know the answer, or in spite of the fact that I do know the answer, I'm going to look it up. But despite the fact that I know the answer, I'm going to look it up. The easy answer is this. This is from Google. None. There is no difference. Despite and in spite of mean the same thing. Okay? So, if you are doing something in spite of something or despite something, it means the same thing. So, I don't know if you realized I used both as examples. I said in spite of the fact that I know the answer, I'm going to look it up or despite the fact that I know the answer, I'm going to look it up. So, there you go. Two examples and the answer from the internet. Um Ferris says, hi, mister Bob. I was wondering if I can improve my writing skills by copying what I read like a story for example. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I recommend that you do a lot of different kinds of writing practice. You can read something and literally copy it over like you're mentioning. So, your everything goes through your brain once. What I do recommend if you do that though is that you don't copy word for word. You try to read something maybe one or two sentences and then without looking at it, you try to write it down and then you look at it again and then you try to write two down. If you look at you know the word the and you write the what there sorry the boy and you write boy was was That's not that great but if you read a sentence, the boy was running really fast and then you write the whole sentence down without looking back. That's good practice. Um you can also do it when you listen to stuff. If you play a video slowly, you can try to write down every word. That's a great practice technique as well. Um let me see here. Abel. I'm not sure about this one, Abel. Good morning, Bob. How is it going? What does a beer blast on the river bottom is super cool mean? Thank you for your great lessons. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Although, what I can tell you is that in some mountainous areas where streams are very, very cold, when people are camping, they will sometimes put cans of pop and other beverages in the stream so that it will cool down. But I don't know what this phrase means. Sorry. Um Yeah, I I, let me read it again. Yep, I don't know. I don't know what it means. Sorry about that. Sometimes there's phrases you might hear in a movie or TV show that maybe the phrase is very regional. Maybe it makes sense in Texas but I don't know the answer. Shreya says, hi, Bob. Do you like India? If yes, what do you like about India the most? Um, That's hard to say. What I do like about India the most is that Canada actually has a lot of immigrants from India. A lot of people have moved to Canada from India and they are awesome people. Everyone I have ever met who has immigrated to Canada from India has been an awesome person. So, um that's what I know. I do know a lot more obviously about your country. I know that you have a huge population that you're one of the largest countries in the world in terms of population. And I know that a lot of really intelligent people 
come from India and work in the technology field. So, that's a few things I know about India. Let's see here. Haraz says, hi, dear teacher. Have you ever so, let me fix this for a bit, okay? Have you ever gone to Vancouver? I could also say, have you ever visited Vancouver? And then you would say, I've seen videos about Vancouver and it looks really striking or it looks very beautiful. Um yes, I actually had relatives that lived in Vancouver many, many years ago. So, Jen and I have actually been to British Columbia, the province, I think three or four times. I think I went at for sure two times if not three and Jen went one or two times more than me because she went once with her mom as well. So, but yes, it is a very beautiful province. Oh, Vinicius has a grammar question. When do I need to use the verb in the infinitive or with ing? So, when I talk about things that I have been doing, I say things like I have been reading, I have been writing, I have been eating. When I talk about what I'm doing right now, I usually use the verb to be and I say things like I am eating, I am reading, I am walking. So, those are the two cases where you use the ing form a lot. When you use the infinitive, it's usually more with the simple future where you say things like I'm going to eat. I'm going to walk. Notice I'm using going with ing though. I'm going to eat. I'm going to walk. I'm going to do. Those are but you know grammar is a difficult thing to teach quickly in a live stream um but certainly learning your tenses helps you know when to use which form of the verb. Eugene. Eugene from Etobicoke. Hi, Eugene. By the way, Etobicoke is uh close to Toronto, part of Toronto, the Toronto area. If you look at it, it, it's kind of a strange looking name and it looks hard to pronounce but it's Etobicoke. What is lockdown? Our city will lock down on Monday. So, in Ontario, Eugene, as you know, we have I think it goes from yellow to orange to red to gray. Starts with green but no one's in green right now. When you are declared, when your zone is declared gray, it means you are in lockdown. Usually, that means that you should only go out for groceries. You should only go out to go to a pharmacy. It means that many, many places of business will be closed. So, I would simply look online and see what is open in Etobicoke during the lockdown and you'll probably get a list of the things you are able to do and allowed to do. Hey, folks, just give me a sec here to check my audio. Yes, excellent. Hey, uh, also just give me a sec as well to do one thing as I normally do during this part of a live lesson. I'm going to switch the chat to members only. Um I wanna start by again thanking my members for clicking the join button below and supporting my channel. For those of you that aren't members, when you are a member, you get an extra video on Wednesdays. It's usually just me kind of blabbing on about something but some people really like them. Um you get to have your name in green in the chat and you get a small crown beside your name uh and you get to participate in members only chat during each live lesson every Friday and Saturday. So, if you are a member right now, you are welcome to ask questions directly in the chat and I will answer them as quickly as I possibly can and I will keep answering questions from other people as well. Natalia says, hello everybody. 
Bob, how can we replace the expression despite the scarcity of my funds? This expression is from a book. Does it sound complicated? Thank you. Yes, it basically means the person has no money. So, you could say here's an example. Despite the scarcity. Oh, wait. Yeah, it means they're gonna buy something even though they don't have money. So, here's a good example. Despite the scarcity of my funds, I'm going to buy a new pair of jeans. So, here's the way we would say it though. Even though I don't have any money, I'm going to buy a new pair of jeans or even though I'm broke, I'm going to buy a new pair of jeans. So, great question. But that's a very complicated way to say it. It might be an older book possibly. Panthera says, hi, Panthera. Dear teacher Bob, what does it mean bail out? It's like to escape or to get away. Yes. So, you can bail out. You can also bail on someone. Okay. So, bail out is usually used more when a business is losing money and the government gives them money. We call it a bailout. So, if I say, oh, you know, Air Canada is not doing really well right now. They're hoping the government will give them a bailout. They're hoping the government will bail them out. So, you can use it as a noun and a verb. It means the government gives them money so they don't go broke. So, they don't go bankrupt. What you're talking about is to bail on someone. So, let's say I'm out with my friends and uh we go to one place that night and then we're going to meet at the next place and they never show up. We would say that they bailed on me. Okay. So, your friends not showing up would be them bailing on you. Uh Jinjin says, thanks, Bob. No problem. That's awesome. It's awesome to get thank yous. So, thank you for the thank yous. Does that sound overly polite? Sorry about that. I'm Canadian. That's just the way we talk sometimes. Uh Modine has the next question. Modine says, hi, Mr. Bob. How's life treating you? Really well, Modine actually. Speaking of which, what does the phrase to give someone their due mean? Thank you. So, let's say there's a student at school that's always doing something bad but they never get caught. Other students might hope that that student eventually gets their due. What that would mean is they hope the student gets caught doing something bad. When someone does um commits crimes, people hope that they eventually get their due which would mean they hope they eventually get arrested. So, that's what that means. Thanks, Modine. Great question. Um Panthera Nori says, thank you so much. Thanks, Panthera. Rod says, Mr. Bob, is your school going to be closed down again? Um, how is it this far? So, no, at this point in time, things are closing down but schools aren't in Ontario. So, even though Eugene from Etobicoke mentioned that his area is going into lockdown, schools will still be open. We're going to try and keep schools open right now, Rod. We're gonna see how it goes. We have four weeks of school and then we have Christmas break. So, we're hoping that we can teach until Christmas break. That would be really nice actually. Next question from Mauro from Italy. Hi, Bob. How's it going? Good. It's going good. What's the difference between these sentences? So, a little correction there, Mauro. What's the difference between these sentences? I need to work harder. I need to be working harder. And the last one's not correct. Okay. So, I'm just not going to read that one. So, from between the first two, I can say, oh, I need to work harder. Maybe I look at my YouTube channel and I think, oh, I need to work harder so that it can do better. Or I could say, I need to be working harder. The second one is simply, we're emphasizing it a little bit more. Okay. So, I could say, I need to exercise more. I could also say, oh, I need to be exercising more. 
So, I add the to be in there to kind of make it a stronger sentence but they mean the same thing. Um let's see here. Panthera nori and the word goggings means glasses. Well, you might be thinking of the word goggles. So, goggles are a little different than glasses. So, when I work in the shop, I wear safety goggles. When you go skiing, you might wear skiing ski goggles. So, goggles are like glasses. There's something that cover your eyes but they're not necessarily to help you see better. Uh lolly lolly says, Bob, if a fairy told you you had a month left to live, what would be your last wish? Sorry, that sounds a bit morbid. Um yeah, if I had a month left, well, I would just wanna spend it with Jen and the kids. Um I think my my wish would be that I wouldn't have to work that month so I could just spend time with family uh and and friends a bit. I think that would be my last wish. Um get my affairs in order. So, Yes, it's a sad, morbid question, Lolly. <laughs> so, uh, but it's worth thinking about things like that sometimes, isn't it? In fact, someone asked if I could do an English lesson uh in the future about death and it's not a very happy topic. It's a very serious topic but they said there aren't very many lessons on YouTube about death. What happens when someone passes away? There's no lesson about funerals and all of those other things. So, I might do that. I might do an English lesson about death. It won't be a happy lesson but when you learn a language, you have to learn everything. So, we'll see. Thanks for the question, Lolly Lolly. Anuat says, I teacher Bob, what does the in the Canadian national anthem mean? We stand on guard for you. We stand on guard for thee. So, it's simply an old version of the word you. Um so, we used to have thee and thou and thine like hundreds of years ago. We don't use those words anymore but yes, still in the lyrics of the national anthem. Bernadette, if there are no blinds, what do you call the thick material you pulled to have intimacy at home? In French, you call these tentures. Thank you for your answer. So, we have curtains and we have blinds. So, a curtain is usually fabric and blinds are usually made out of plastic. Um I'm trying to think if there's another thing that we have. I think generally it's blinds and curtains. I think those are the two things. Curtains are more decorative. They're they're beautiful. Blinds are very practical, okay? Uh, let me see here. Sam the Taiwanese, hi teacher Bob, do you believe in karma? Um not really, Sam, although life does have interesting twists and turns. So, sometimes I wonder if there is karma. By the way, for those of you that don't know, karma is when Um things happen in your life that either um are good or bad because of something else you did earlier. So, we'll see. I think sometimes when I see a good person who let's say there's a person who's just really good person and then they win the lottery. It makes you wonder if karma exists. Uh Panthera Nori, when or in which kind of context do you use call across to someone? So, you would need to be in a larger room. Um if I'm in a large room like a gymnasium and Jen was on the other side, I could call across to her. I could say, hey, Jen, come over here. I'm over here. So, I would say I call across. Um you might call across to someone in a restaurant. You wouldn't use it in a home. A home's not the the phrase call across means there needs to be some distance between you and the other person. So, if you call across to someone, you're calling across a large distance. If two boats were passing, you would call across to someone as well. 
Um, let's see here. Sita says, Mr. Bob, I just want to thank you for the awesome job you do. Thanks, Sita. Uh, you are welcome. Um, I try my best every day. That's the best I can do is try my best. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Ario. Ario says, hi, Mr. Bob. My question is, why do I sometimes I think my neighbor's daughter is better than mine? I need your advice. Thank you. Well, First of all, there's a phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. This means that when you look at your neighbor, you might think their life is better but you don't know the whole story. Um so, you might think that they (laughs) they have a better kid than you but the reality is everyone's life is their life and no one else's life is better than your own. So, I would just say find something enjoyable to do. Uh do it with your daughter and then don't worry about it. Uh next question. Alexander. Oh, this is a tough one, Alexander. What is the difference between hue and color? I actually don't know except that hue sometimes refers to whether something is more green or pink. Like there's different hues, right? Um when you look at the color yellow, there's there's a a variety of yellows. There's different hues. Um and then color is just the general term for all color. Bernadette says in French, uh, rideau equals thin, usually white material. Tenture, thick of any color material. Yeah, I think that's why we call it the rideau, the rideau canal. I know it's a mispronunciation because I think in Ottawa, the canal looks, it's, it's kind of like a curtain. Um, let's see here. Ah, this is a great question. Kasim, why can I understand? A little switch there. Kasim, why can I understand every word you are saying but when I'm watching a movie, I can't understand it. Okay. So, I I fixed your question a bit there. Um here's why. One, I speak a little bit slower than normal. I don't usually speak full speed. By the way, if you want to hear me speak full speed, usually towards the end of my videos on my other channel, I try really hard to speak full speed. So, number one, I do speak a little bit slower. Number two, the longer you listen to one English speaking person, you get used to their voice. When I watch French YouTubers, if I watch a French YouTuber for a month or two, I get used to their voice and then the third thing is I'm not having a conversation with anyone. I'm the only person talking. So, you can focus just on me and I'm only talking about one thing. When you watch TV or when you watch a movie, it's two people talking really quickly to each other and that can be a lot harder to understand. Uh let's see here. Pantheris Pantheris says, thanks a lot. Totally got it. By the way, I absolutely agree. It's also important to become able to express sad feelings. Sometimes condolences. It's part of both the language and life. Yeah. You know, I had it once teaching a French class where we read a story and it was a sad story where um in the story, people did something they weren't supposed to and there was a car accident and someone died and one of the students said, we shouldn't read sad stories in school and I said, we should read sad stories in school especially when you're learning a language because you have to learn all the words. If there's one thing I I wanna be remembered for in life, it's When I taught languages, I always, I always say you have to learn all the words, okay? You can't just learn the ones you like. You have to learn all of them. Uh Jingjin says, based on the threshold, the following levels in the framework, lockdown, Toronto, Peel. Yes. So, we are definitely, 
we have levels in Ontario and Toronto has progressed to the gray level which is lockdown. Not a good time but necessary I think. Uh let's see here. So, Silvio says, hello, Bob. Is there a difference between hello, everyone and hello, everybody? It's a simple question, I guess. He <laughs> he. Um in informal English, when I walk in a room, I say hello, everyone. Sometimes I say hello, everybody. Sometimes I say, how's everyone doing? Sometimes I say, how's everybody doing? They are completely interchangeable in everyday English. So, if and I'll say it if I walk into the staff room, I will say it to other teachers. Hello, everyone or hello, everybody. I'll say it when I walk into my classroom to students. I'll say hello everyone. Hello everybody. They mean exactly the same thing. No no problems there between those two. Uh let's see here. Next question is from Dogu. Under no circumstances should you approach the man. Why in this sentence is should used before the noun? Under no circumstances should you approach the man? It's simply a directive and when we give directives, we sometimes use more imperative forms of verbs or we use more direct forms. It's like saying danger or attention or don't touch or but this is a little bit of a weird one, I will admit but it simply means under no circumstances should you approach the man. Usually, when there is someone who is dangerous, the police will say this. They'll actually say, we're looking for this man under no circumstances should the general public approach the person or the man. So, it simply is a direct way of speaking. Um let me just get over to my let's see here. Um I'm just turning off members only chat right now. That's what's happening if you're wondering what I'm doing. So, as I do that, once again, thank you so much to all those of you who are members. If any of you are interested in supporting me as a creator on YouTube, there is a join button below. You can click it. It helps me uh buy new equipment. Um one of the things I want to get next is a different camera. I don't wanna say too much about it but I want to be able to walk and talk at the same time without the camera bumping up and down. So, that's the next thing I'm going to use some of the support money I get from members. I'd like to buy a camera Um, I'm not sure if you know the technical term but with a little gimbal on it so that I can walk and talk and make very smooth videos. I think that would be a lot of fun. But anyways, thank you for being members. Thank you for being here. Uh you guys are all awesome. By the way, I should say hi to the 566 people watching. If you don't know who I am, I'm Bob the Canadian. I teach English here on YouTube. If you visit my channel, if you search for learn English with Bob the Canadian, There are many English lessons for you to watch. There are short lessons um, that you can watch very quickly. In fact, let me put a link to my last video in the chat for a moment. Um do take some time after this live stream to watch some of my videos. Uh for those of you who are regular members or regular viewers, do go back and watch old videos from time to time as well. Um I'm not trying to get views but it is good to watch things more than once. It really helps your English learning. Let's see here. Marcin. <laughs> Marcin says, Marcin from Poland says, hello, cutie pie teacher Bob. So, cutie pie is a word, uh, a familiar word when you think someone is cute. It's a little bit, yeah, it's fine. I'm, I'll say it's fine. What word is used more often in Canada? Sick or ill? 
Is there any difference between these words? Love you. Best regards from Poland. Well, thanks, Marcin. Um, we use the word sick a lot more than we use the word ill but we do use the word ill. Um the other day, a teacher was ill. Um I could equally say the other day, a teacher was sick. Um actually, there was a teacher who was ill for a couple of days and it was me. <laughs> um so, there was a teacher off sick. The teacher was ill. I would say and I'm guessing 80% of the time, we use the word sick and every once in a while, we use the word ill as well. Um let's see here. Valerie from Ukraine says, hi from Ukraine, Bob. Your channel is great. Best wishes for you and your family. Well, thank you, Valerie. Uh best wishes to you as well over there in Ukraine. I hope you're having a good day. I hope that uh as you live in the northern hemisphere like I do, as the weather changes, I hope you enjoy it when the snow starts to fly as well. Let's see here. Uh I'm gonna skip the next one. It's from Alex. Alex, I don't usually um post questions that have personal information like phone numbers in it, okay? So, if you want, you can in the comments below try to find an English speaking partner but I am gonna skip your question, okay? Because I don't want everyone to have your phone number. I know you gave it freely but I'm going to just say I'm gonna skip that one. Next question is from Franco. Hi, Bob. I have one question. What is the meaning of it's just as well? Well, sometimes something bad happens but it's really not that big of a deal. So, let's say you had a job and you hated the job and then you were fired. Your boss came and said, you're fired. When you get home, you could say, I lost my job today but it's just as well. I didn't like the job and I can start working for my brother-in-law tomorrow. So, it's a situation where something bad happens but it's not a big deal. Um I would say something like, I had heart surgery a few years ago and even though that was scary, I could say, well, it's just as well because I had surgery when I was very young. I could have ended up having surgery when I was older and it's better to have surgery when you're young because you require better. So, it's just as well that I had it then. Let's see here. I just wanna check where I'm at in terms of questions. I'm probably pretty far behind. We'll see how it goes. I'll keep moving along here. Let me get the next question up. Sahith says, hi, teacher Bob. How are you? I'm good. What is the main language taught in Canadian school, French or English? So, in most provinces, the main language is English. In the province of Quebec, in high school or in grade school, the main language is French. But in every province in Canada, you can usually choose whether you want to go to an English-speaking school or a French-speaking school. In my area, I could have sent my kids to a French-speaking school probably for every nine English speaking schools, there is a French school in Ontario. Um so, the main language in most provinces would be English but certainly if you want to be educated in French, you can find a way. Let's see here. Um Steven says, hi, Bob. A friend translates a German comic into English. The comic title is literally translated into English, the three funny four, a German pun. Does this work out? Well, it's a little confusing because you're talking about three people but there's actually four. So, I'm not sure. I would need to see the comic to know if it makes sense. Um we'll if you uh I'll I'll look it up later. Maybe I can find a copy of it. Uh, maybe in the comments, put the German title for me, uh Stephen and then I'll have a look later. Uh Norma says, Bob, I would like you to explain the use of whose. 
whose car is this? But are there other uses? Um who's going out tonight? Whose car is this? So, there's who is, right? Like who apostrophe s and then there's whose w-h-o-s-e. So, they're a they're slightly different and I bet you English speakers uh don't even know the difference. I'm gonna look it up. Difference between whose and whose. So, whose is a contraction linking the word who and is and whose is the possessive form of whose. Yeah. So, listen closely again. So, if I say who's going out tonight, I'm actually saying who is going out tonight and if I say whose phone is this? I'm saying W-H-O-S-E like who does this belong to? So, they sound the same but slightly different grammatic structures. Uh Cornelius says, hello teacher Bob. Thank you for your lessons. How to pronounce the words turquoise and cajole and what does the last one actually mean? So, cajole is when you try to convince someone of something. Let's get the actual meaning of cajole. We don't use it a lot. It's not a a very common word but it's to persuade someone to do something by constantly asking to them to do it. So, you cajole them but turquoise is a color and cajole is when you try to convince someone. Uh hey, uh Caddy from the chat box has given a super chat. So awesome to see you here. By the way, the chat box is a place on Facebook that Caddy runs with a number of other people. It's a great place for English learners to hang out. Thank you so much. And Caddy says, hi, Bob. Great to see you. The expression, that's a no-brainer. Is it common in Canada? Yes. When something is easy to do, we say it's a no-brainer. If a decision is easy to make, we say it's a no-brainer. When you read the evidence that says masks help prevent the spread of diseases, it's a no-brainer to wear a mask. That's how we would use that but definitely we use that phrase for sure. Thanks for the super chat, Caddy. You're awesome. Let's see here. Um Pink Dream says, hello, Mr. Bob. I have a question, please. I can speak English fluently with myself but when I come to practice it with others, I can't do it. How can I overcome this? So, I know this sounds really simple but you just need to do it more. Um and maybe you need to find the right person to practice having an English conversation with. Sometimes you get nervous or afraid or it's hard to think when you're having an English conversation but you can alleviate that. When you alleviate something, you make it better. You can alleviate that by having a regular English speaking partner each week. There's a link to a place called Preply below in the description where you can hire someone to have English practice with you. The best way to become a better English speaker is to have a good solid person that you can meet with each week to practice your English. Let's see. Joey from China says, hi, Bob. How are you? Do you think speaking with foreigners whose English is not so good can help improve speaking skills? Thank you. Yes. I firmly believe that You can have English conversations with non-native English speakers, with native English speakers. All of those conversations have value. If you are having an English conversation with a friend who is also learning English, I don't think it matters that both of you will make mistakes. What matters is you're forcing your brain to start to put together words and phrases in the English language. So, do it 100%. Uh Bernadette says, for all these pleasant lessons, thank you. Well, thank you for the super chat, Bernadette. You are awesome. That is awesome of you. So, Joey, I hope that helps. I hope it's a good question or a good answer. 
Um, Tony, how do you understand so many phrasal verbs of all kinds? Where do they come from? Well, first of all, I don't know where they come from. Uh, second of all, um, as an English speaker, they just seem normal but when you try to list them and teach them, they start to seem a little bit crazy. So, Tony, this is the one area where a lot of listening practice will help your speaking. So, I know I always say, you know, in order to get better at speaking, you need to do a lot of speaking but you can also do a lot of listening to help you become familiar with all the phrasal verbs. So, do a lot of listening especially a lot of YouTube videos teach phrasal verbs. I would watch some of those. Let's see here. June says, Bob, so how can I think in English and what are the habits I need to do to improve it? Thanks. So, the one way to think in English or to start thinking in English is to force yourself to think in English deliberately each day. The best way to do that is to narrate the things that you are doing. To say out loud the things that you are doing when you're by yourself. So, you should say things like, I am picking up the phone. I am calling my mom. I am talking to my mom. I am putting down the phone. If you say out loud everything you are doing, I think that nudges your brain. It pushes your brain a little bit towards thinking in that language. You can also do things like if you're listening to a song, sing along. If you're reading a book, read out loud. All of those things I think slowly push you towards thinking in the English language. Um let me see here. Mohammed, very general question. Hello, teacher Bob. What is the best way to learn English? Well, I do have a video on that and it's called the best way to learn English. In my opinion, you should be spending one or two hours a day, five days a week. You should be doing a lot of reading, writing, listening, speaking and learning vocabulary and you should focus on one of those each day. Um but watch the video. Maybe Todd or Dave can find the video that I made called the best way to learn English in 2020. I think it's a valuable video to watch. Um so, the next question I don't know the answer to. So, B Ballet, you're asking about a word that I'm not sure exists. So, I'm going to skip that question. Um let's see here. Next question, Marcelo. Hi, Bob. It's so nice of you. Could you help me with some tips about connected speech? I've been learning about it and sometimes it's so hard that I wanna give up. Um so, connected speech is another thing where um you need to listen to a lot of authentic television and English speakers who are speaking quickly and you need to start to identify and learn what they connect. There are simple ways to do it. Learn your contractions. So, learn like I can't, I don't, I won't. And learn your um reductions like I I wanna, I'm gonna, I don't wanna. Those are a really good entry point into connected speech but as you realize like I'm gonna talk full speed right now just for a little bit. You'll hear that my words are starting to hook into each other. Um when I talk really quickly, you'll hear that when I finish one word, I go directly into the next word. Um so, I think just a lot of listening practice again will help with that but certainly Do your homework. Learn your contractions and your reductions. Those are just great places to start. Uh Todd has linked the video um where I said I had the best way to learn English. You should watch it and decide yourself if it's a good way to learn English. Um Yazid says, 
Hi, Mr. Bob. Is the G at the end of the word pronounced? Well, it depends on the word, right? Like I'm talking to you right now. So, you hear I made the ing sound. I'm going. I'm talking. I'm walking. We don't say g like a hard g but you do hear ing like walking, talking, singing, leaving, going. You'll hear a little bit of a sound there. Um the g though is silent in the middle of words sometimes, right? Like the word sign or night. Um those would be two where it's a little more silent. Uh let's see here. Carrado says, hi, Bob. Is there a big difference between learning and acquiring a language? Thanks. So, I would say this. When you're learning a language, you are deliberate about it. You've decided you're going to read every day for a certain amount of time. You're going to talk to someone in English once a week. You might hire a tutor. When you're learning a language, you're you're deliberate. When you acquire a language, you simply hope to learn it because you're living in an English speaking country. So, many of my um uh relatives immigrated from Holland and they acquired the English language when they got here. They didn't go to school to learn the language. They didn't take lessons. They acquired the language over time by living in an English speaking country. So, to me, that's how I would differentiate between those two. Uh let me see here. I'm just looking at where I'm at. It looks like I have about 20 more questions. So, I'm gonna keep going. Dave and Todd, you guys can chat between the two of you. You can both stay if you want but if one of you has to go, that's fine but as long as one of you can stay for another 10 minutes, that would be great. I'm just gonna keep answering questions for a bit. Um next question, Zeev. When to use which or what? Thanks in advance and how are you, boss? I'm good. So, boss can be a nickname for people sometimes. Sometimes people are like, hey, boss. How's it going, boss? By the way, a boss is someone you work for but we use it sometimes as a nickname. Um so, when to use which or what? So, what are you going to do? Which one are you going to pick? Which game are you going to go to? What game are you going to go to? So, we sometimes interchange them a little bit. That's a tricky one. Um you'll have to look that up, Zeev. There's probably a really good rule. I will tell you this in informal English, we sometimes interchange them. We'll say things like, which class are you going to take or what class are you going to take? Um which bus are you going to take? Which what bus are you going to take? So, in informal speech, we sometimes mix them up. Deborah, real quick answer. How to improve English writing? Do a lot of writing but do find an English tutor who can correct your writing so that you know where you made mistakes. That is very helpful with English writing. Gaziz from Russia. Good day, Bob. Mr. Bob, how can I use the word commit? Please, could you give some examples? So, I'm gonna commit to making an English lesson every Tuesday on YouTube. I'm going to commit to doing a live lesson every Friday and I'm going to commit to doing a live lesson every Saturday. That means I'm making a promise. I'm making a commitment. That's the noun form. So, when you commit to something, you say you are going to do it and you do it. Let's see. Um David says, hi, how are you doing? May you explain the expression human being? I hear a lot of it in movies and music. So, we refer to us as ourselves as human beings. So, in the world, there are dogs and cats and cows and there are human beings. That's how we refer to the human race in English sometimes. We call ourselves human beings. I'm not sure why we do 
it's actually now as I explain it, it sounds a little bit funny but we definitely do say that we are human beings. It's good to be nice to your fellow human beings. Uh Vika, in your opinion, whether it is possible to learn the language independently and what advice would you give? So, little fixer. So, Vika, you can do a lot by yourself. You can learn a lot of English by yourself uh working independently. You can progress very far in your reading, your writing and your listening. You can progress quite far in your speaking but my belief is that at some point you need to have an English conversation for at least 30 minutes once a week with an English speaking partner or tutor. Um that doesn't have to be a native English speaker. Sometimes people think they need if they hire an English tutor that needs to be a native English speaker. Doesn't matter to me. The fact that you're speaking English once a week for 30 minutes really helps. So, yes, you can learn a lot independently. You can even practice your speaking independently but my belief is that at some point you do need to find an English speaking partner. Alexandra, hi, Bob. I hope you're having a nice weekend. Could you please explain the difference between be able to and can? So, I am able to use my phone. I can use my phone. They are very much the same thing. Um I'm capable of using my phone as well. Remember at the beginning of the lesson we talked about that. So, I'm able to use my phone. I'm capable of using my phone. I can use my phone. They all mean pretty much the same thing. Um let's see here. Um so, Alex from Russia says, hey, Bob, how are you doing? Good, Alex. Thanks for asking. Thanks for your efforts to help us improve our English. Is there a difference between bias and prejudice? Um they're very similar. When you have a bias, it means you you think something is true or false without necessarily having all the facts. And when you have a prejudice, you think something without having all the facts. Generally, bias is towards anything and prejudice is towards people but they certainly both mean having an opinion without necessarily having a lot of facts to back it up. Uh Balaram says, what's the meaning of report? When you report something, it means you tell someone about it. So, if someone drove by my house doing 200 kilometers an hour, I could report them to the police. You can also write a report. That's the noun version. So, there's you can do the action of reporting and you could fill in a report when you do it. Ben Lala says, to learn English, where to start? Please help me. I need it. So, if you are an absolute beginner, the place to start is learning vocabulary. If you are an absolute beginner learning English, learn to count to a hundred. Learn all of your colors. Learn two or three thousand of the basic English words that you need to know. All of the words for the kitchen. Learn all of the phrases you would use to talk about the weather, to talk about your age, etc. That's where I would start. Just learn a ton of vocabulary so you have a base level to start one. Uh Iva has given a super chat. Thank you, Iva, so much for the super chat. You are awesome. Thank you for supporting the work I do here. Vienne has the next question. Hi, Bob. Could you explain the difference between showcase and show and how to use them properly? Thank you. When I show someone something, I simply hold it up. I can show you my phone, okay? But if I create a showcase, it means I have a lot of phones in one spot so you can see all of the different phones. Um you might wanna look it up because there are a few variations of showcase but certainly 
that would be my definition. If it seems like I'm going really fast, it's because I am right now. I'm trying to get through as many questions as possible in the next 10 minutes. Omar says, hi, Mr. Bob. That is great to see you again and I would like to ask about the word surrounding. What does that mean? Thanks a lot. So, if there is one person and a bunch of other people come, they can surround that person. We would say that they are surrounding that person. You can also use the word surroundings. That means all of the things that are outside my house. So, in the surroundings around my house, there are a lot of plants and a lot of animals. Uh Marion says, what's the difference between clean and clean up? So, you can clean the kitchen table. You can clean the counter. You can tell your kids to have a shower because they need to be clean. But when you clean up, it's the same as um, just making sure everything in your house is picked up and in the right spot. So, when I say we need to clean up the kitchen, it means we need to do the dishes. We need to wipe the counter. We need to wipe the table. We need to sweep the floor. When we talk about cleanup, it refers to all the things that you need to do in an area. Um, let's see here. Venetia says, could you please help me with the pronunciation of months and days? So, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There's your days. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That was fast. And then your months, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Let me do them slower. January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Hopefully, you can practice. Listen to that part a few times and try to say them the same way as me. Um so, FW says, how to get into a Canadian high school. How to prepare. Thanks a lot. A G3 student from Taiwan. So, generally, students from other countries come around the age of 14 or 15. Sometimes, they are 16 or 17. Um and I don't know exactly how it works but if you do a search on Google for how to study in a Canadian high school um as a foreigner or how to get a student visa to come to school in Canada, you will find more information. But how to prepare? Um just come. We'll take care of the rest. (laughs) I wouldn't do too much except that you want to be able to speak English well enough to pass whatever entrance exam requirements there are. So, hey, I'm just gonna pause and say if you're new here, there's a subscribe button there. You should click it and then check off the bell as well. I think that would be good. Um you don't have to but makes me happy when you do. Uh, let's see here. Vlad says, hello, Bob. Hello from the Republic of Moldova. Thank you very much for what you are doing. It helps me a lot in learning English. You're welcome, Vlad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, Roshan has the next. Let's see here. Teacher Bob, I focus on the modern RP British pronunciation nowadays and have you got any tips for me and the easiest and quickest way to have it, please? If you are focusing on a specific type of pronunciation, I would make sure you are talking to someone who has that accent at least once a week for 30 minutes, Roshan. So, see if you can go to Preply. There's a link below and see if you can find an English tutor who has that specific accent who specializes in that accent and talk to them as much as you can. Aslan says, hi, Bob. I noticed that you say often when others say often, often. How is this correct? So, 
when I speak slowly and clearly, I say often. So, often when I want to make a point, I will pronounce the T in the word often. But when I speak really quickly, often when I'm speaking really quickly, you don't hear the T. So, it's simply a matter of speed. Um and it's not informal versus formal English. When I'm speaking really quickly and I say the word often, I don't say the T. So, even if I'm speaking formally to a class as a teacher, um that will happen. Uh let's see here. Um so, the next question has a link in it. So, I am gonna skip it Arturo. Sorry about that but Arturo is talking about a web page called Free for Talk. I'm not I don't know much about it but you could maybe check that out. Um Marco says, hey teacher Bob, how are you? You look like a bear. (laughs) My question is, by the way, I believe that's a compliment when people say I look like a bear. My question is, what does pop in mean and what pop can usually mean? Oh, so when you have a balloon and you poke it with a pin, the balloon will pop. Okay? So, it goes bang. When someone pops in, it means they stop in sometimes without telling you they're coming to your house. So, before we were in lockdowns and we couldn't and we could go places, sometimes I would pop in to see my mom. I wouldn't phone her first. I would just pop in. I would just drive to her house. I would think, oh, if my mom's home, maybe I'll pop in and visit her for a second. So, when you pop in, it's kind of an unexpected visit. Jesse in Toronto says, hi, Bob. What's the difference between at the same time, at once and simultaneously? Are these words interchangeably? So, um, I like to do two things at once. I like to do two things at the same time. I can do two things simultaneously. They are very similar and uh, I think you can use the first two interchangeably. Like, I can ride a bike and listen to a radio. Uh, I can ride a bike and listen to music at the same time. I can ride a bike and listen to music. I can do that at, at one. Yeah. Sorry, there's a little slight difference there. Um, when you use that once, you're usually talking about the amount. Like, I can do two things at once. I can do three things at once. I think it's important to mention the amount. Hey, Toby has given a super chat. Thank you, Toby, so much for that. That is awesome of you. Thank you for supporting the work that I do. Uh, let's see here. I think I'm almost, oh, maybe I'm not almost at the end of the questions. I got five more, maybe 10 more. We'll see. Hang in there, people. Um, I'm just gonna keep going. Jesse in Toronto says, I should go to the next question, shouldn't I? Next question is from Paolo. Hi, Bob. How are you? Which one is correct? I'm gonna let the salmon thaw or I am gonna let the salmon thaw out. I'm gonna let... Okay, the last one is not correct. Okay, so I'm not gonna say the last one. The first one, I'm gonna let the salmon thaw. By the way, the correct way without reductions would be, I am going to let the salmon thaw but the way we would say it is exactly this. I'm gonna let the salmon thaw. The second one, I'm gonna let the salmon thaw out means the same thing and it's totally correct as well. When you thaw something, you could say, I'm gonna let it thaw or I'm gonna let it thaw out. Both are correct. I don't know why we have two ways of saying it. Um, Billy says, I would like to know about the difference between crispy and crunchy. Do you say crunch potatoes? Crunchy potatoes instead of saying crispy potatoes. They are very much the same. Any kind of food that when you bite it makes a sound like chips or potato chips, you could say they're crispy or crunchy. Yes. Um often when we are cooking bacon, we will say, do you want your bacon crispy? Don't use crunchy when we talk about bacon. 
But anyways, they're both food related words and I think you'll just have to listen to know which is the best one to use. Uh let's see here. Awesome guy says, hi teacher, great class again. Thank you. My question is how to say if something is ending. For example, we're running out of water. Is it okay or are there other ways to say it? We would say it exactly that way, okay? You would say we're running out of water. We're running out of toilet paper. We're running out of bread. We're like, oh, I went to the freezer. We're running out of meat. So, that's exactly how you would say it. And for those of you that don't know, when you are running out of something, it means you almost have none. So, if I went to the freezer and I said, there's only one loaf of bread left in the freezer. We're running out of bread. Then Jen would be like, okay, we better buy more. Uh Iva has given a super chat. Thank you so much, Iva. That is awesome of you. Thank you again for doubling up and supporting me. Um I am skipping a few questions. So, sorry about that. I'm trying to answer uh the questions that I can answer quickly. Jewel says, hello, teacher Bob. Great to see you again. Generally, will you chat with your children after you get their report cards? Thanks and have a good weekend. So, When you are in school in Canada and in most places in the world, after a certain amount of time, you get a report card and you have grades on the report card. We talk to our kids after they get their report cards. We we usually look at their report cards and we say, oh, good job in math. Oh, the French grade looks a little low. So, we definitely talk to our kids after they get their report cards. Hey, Marcelo has given a super chat and has a question and says, hi, Bob. How can I pronounce the following words? Three, tree, and free. What's the difference? So, when you have two things and you get one more, you have three things, right? So, that's the number three. Across the river, there was a large tree and the wind blew it over last week. That's true, by the way. You can go watch a video about it on my channel. Um on my second channel, I think. So, so tree and then This English lesson is free. You don't have to pay for this. You can just sit and listen to me ramble on and on about the English language. Uh let's see here. By the way, just so you know, um I'm going to I'm going to do four I'm going to do four or so more questions. So, if you ask a question now, I probably won't answer it. I do need to wrap this up at a certain point. So, uh let's see here. Vadim says, what are people that have the same names called? Namesakes. Yeah, this is an older word but sometimes in a family, a grandfather will have the same name as a grandchild. We usually say the grandchild is named after the grandfather. Uh namesake is a is an older older word. Wajtek says, can you explain the sentence? I'll be riding shotgun. It means you're the person beside the driver in a car. There are no shotguns involved by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um let's see here. Eduardo says, hi, Bob. What does it mean to chuck something up? Thank you. So, when you throw something in the air, we use the word chuck the same way we use the word throw. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chuck something at you. I'm going to throw something at you. Um I would use throw. It's more often. Uh, It's more common, I think. Next question from Han. Hi, Bob. Could you tell me which one is right and why? He left home dressed in a smart black suit. That's correct. And the second one is not. So, the first one is correct because you are describing um how he was dressed when he left. He left home dressed. He was already done dressing. 
He was finished putting his clothes on. So, it's a completed action in the past. When you use the word dressing, it's an action that's still happening, okay? So, when he left home, I'm hoping he was done getting dressed. So, we would say the first sentence. He left home dressed in a smart black suit. Let's see here. Oh, what should I do when the examiner asks me an unexpected question that I don't even know how to answer? How to kill the time? You just need to try and answer it. If you are in an English test situation and the examiner asks a question and you don't know how to answer it, you have to find a way to answer it. Um you have to be as creative as you can. Um when I did my first French test, they asked me a question and I just found a way to give some kind of answer. Um because if it's the conversation component, they are interested in your ability to have a conversation as well as having the right answer. Kadir says, I want to learn about the difference between imminent and prominent. Thanks a lot. So, when something is imminent, it's going to happen very soon. The end of this live stream is imminent. (laughs) When somebody is prominent, they are an important person. Um in the UK, Boris Johnson is a prominent politician. Let's see here. Brahim just says, teacher Bob, I just want to say thanks a lot for all you do to help us. You are welcome, Brahim. Thank you for those kind words. By the way, Brahim has the very last question. I have answered all the questions. I went a little longer than I was expecting but I do wanna say this. Thank you so much for being here. Do subscribe to my channel if you are not a subscriber and more importantly, I want to challenge all of you. I'm gonna put a link in the chat to go and watch uh so Nightbot has shared a link there to my video from Tuesday. If you're new here and you're not sure what kind of English lessons I do, follow that link in the chat from YouTube. It says English conversation practice is important. Find out why right here and there is a link. You should go watch that now. I think it will be very helpful and again, thank you to all of you who are members. Thanks to Dave and Todd for sticking around for an extra large or extra large an extra long live stream. I know that Rod and uh uh Rod the Brazilian English teacher has been here for most of this if not all of it. Uh check out his channel as well and Brent American English with this guy has been here. Check out his channel as well. Uh and just you guys are awesome. Thank you for sticking around. I think I should stop talking now. It's been an hour and 20 minutes of talking. Um at some point in my life, am I gonna lose my voice from talking too much? We'll see. Uh I hope that doesn't happen. Anyways, it was awesome being here. Thanks for uh hanging out and improving your English just a little bit. Uh I will see you on Tuesday with a new little English lesson. By the way, Tuesday's lesson is going to be about English learning controversies. Things that people tell you to do and people tell you not to do when you're learning English. There's about five or six of them that I wanna talk about. I think you will enjoy it. Anyways, bye. Have a great day. You guys are all very awesome. Hi, Bob the Canadian here. Thank you for listening to this English podcast lesson. If you would like to support me in the work that I do as an online English teacher, please visit patreon.com slash Bob the Canadian.